Our sermon text today is taken from the Psalms, still in the Psalms series since it's summer. There are five major kinds of psalms, hymns of praise, thanksgiving psalms, royal psalms, wisdom psalms, and laments. Psalm 130, which is our text today, is a lament or a complaint psalm. Did you know that it's okay to complain to God? It happens a lot in the scriptures, as you know, especially in the Psalms. But notice that most of the laments begin with a complaint, but they end with a confession of trust in God, as this one does. Someone has said that this psalm is a reminder of the great divide between the sin of humanity and the goodness of God in whom is forgiveness and deliverance. So Psalm 130 begins with a cry for help. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. And I included the Latin name for the psalm, De Profundis, which means out of, or out of the depths or from the depths, because this text is often used in traditional choral works, especially in requiems for the dead. So the next time you see De Profundis in a concert program or in the jacket of a CD, I want you to recognize that it comes from Psalm 130. Now, if you're able, please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. I'm reading from Psalm 130 from the English Standard Version. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Pray with me. Lord, use these words today to to encourage, to cause us to lament and repent, but also to trust in you. Use it particularly with each person today, wherever they are. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Within this psalm, there's both an explanation of the gospel and a description of the normal progression of the Christian life. A proper understanding of the gospel informs the way we live our lives. And the way we live our lives testifies to the working of the gospel within them. The progression of the Christian life in this psalm goes like this. Despairing of hope finding hope, persevering in hope, 
and sharing hope with others. And that gives us the outline of the message. Despairing of hope, finding hope, persevering in hope, and sharing hope with others. So the first step in the progression of the Christian life is despairing of hope. That is, despairing of hope because of our own sin. We see this in verses 1 through 3. Have you ever felt overwhelmed by life as though you were underwater and gasping for breath? That's the picture we see here in verse 1. The first phrase, from or out of the depths, is used elsewhere in the Old Testament to refer to the sea or the ocean. When the Psalms were written, the sea was not considered a place for a restful vacation, but rather a dangerous place of watery chaos. Bad things often happened in or on the sea. Remember how Jonah sank to the bottom of the sea after the sailors threw him overboard. Remember how Jesus' disciples were filled with fear when the storm arose on the Sea of Galilee. Remember how Paul and the sailors barely survived the violent storm and shipwreck on the Mediterranean. The sea represented death or potential death. For the people of that day, the sea was an overwhelmingly dangerous and fearful place. However, the psalmist here is not overwhelmed by the trials of life, but by his own sin. As the Puritan pastor and theologian John Owen said, sin is the disease, affliction is only a symptom of it. The psalmist sees beyond the circumstances of his life and understands the danger and chaos that his own sin has brought upon him. He understands that he's sinking deeper and deeper under the crashing waves of his own sin. I did a lot of scuba diving and snorkeling when I was younger. And I learned that as you go deeper underwater, the pressure of the water gets greater and greater. Because water, like air, has weight. The column of water above you presses down on you. So the taller the column of water above you, the greater the pressure on you. That's why you have to keep clearing your ears as you go down to regulate the pressure as it changes. Now if you go down too far without a submarine or a bathysphere of some kind, the pressure will literally crush you. The same can be said of sin. The further you go go down into it, the more you feel the weight or the pressure of it on your own conscience. The purpose of that crushing is not to destroy you, but to cause you to cry out to God for help. And that's what the psalmist does when he says in verses 1 and 2, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. That's what Jonah did from the belly of the fish when he said, When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you. That's what the Philippian jailer did when he said to Paul and Silas, What must I do to be saved? 
That's what the men on the day of Pentecost did when they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? The proper response to acknowledging your own sinful condition is to cry out to God. Someone has said, our problem today is that many don't have much awareness of sin. Where God has been abolished, an awareness of sin is abolished also. Because sin is defined primarily, perhaps only, in relationship to God. As the Westminster Catechism says, Sin is disobeying or not conforming to God's instructions in any way. We need to recover a sense of sin to discover how desperate our condition is apart from God. To know that God's wrath is a terrible, impending reality. As the psalmist says in verse 3, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? The answer, of course, is no one. No one could stand. Only by God's grace are we lifted out of the mire and our feet set upon a rock and given a firm place to stand. Only by God's grace was Jonah saved from drowning by the great fish and spit out on the land. Only by God's grace did Noah and his family pass through the waters in the safety of the ark and stand once again on dry ground. Only by God's grace was the Philippian jailer and all his house saved that night. The second step in the progression of the Christian life is finding hope. Finding hope through forgiveness. Why is it that we are able to cry out to God for help? Because it says in verse 4, but with you there is forgiveness. It's because forgiveness is an attribute of God's character. This has always been true of God, not just in the, in the New Testament. Also in the Old Testament, he revealed himself to Moses on Mount Sinai in Exodus 34, saying, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Because of Adam's sin in the garden, all people are born in sin. All people commit actual sins and deserve God's wrath. But because, but God has provided an atoning sacrifice a perfect substitute in the person of Jesus for all who will trust in him so that God's forgiveness of our sin might be just. Now I want you to notice three aspects of forgiveness in this very short verse. Forgiveness is inclusive. Forgiveness is available now. Forgiveness leads to godly living. I'm going to call them the ABCs of forgiveness here. A, forgiveness is inclusive. Verse 4 says, there is forgiveness. Period. That includes every kind of sin and every kind of person. You can't be too sinful for God to forgive you. 
In other words, there's no ocean of sin too deep that God can't rescue you from it. There is forgiveness, period. B, forgiveness is available now. The phrase, there is forgiveness, is in the present tense. You don't have to wait and wonder till you die whether or not you will be forgiven. There is forgiveness now. It's available to you right now for the asking with a repentant heart. C. Forgiveness leads to godly living. Verse 4 says, There is forgiveness that you may be feared. Forgiveness is not given so that we can have a license to sin, but rather so that we can develop a greater reverence for God. What does it mean to fear or to reverence God? Someone said it this way, that God may be loved and worshipped and served. So out of gratitude, we, we live in a way that pleases God in all of those aspects. So far, the gospel message has two components. Despairing of hope as we acknowledge our sin and finding hope through God's offer of forgiveness. But there's more. The third step in the progression of the Christian life is persevering in hope. God enables those who accept his offer of forgiveness to persevere in hope, even in the midst of despair. Look at verses 5 and 6. The psalmist wrote, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I have hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. We persevere in hope as we wait for God to fulfill the many promises we find in his word. We persevere in hope even when we're going through difficult trials because we know that God works all things for the good of those who love him. We persevere in hope even as we face our own death because we know that Jesus has gone ahead to prepare a place for us. And there are many, many, many promises in addition to those that give us hope as we go through this life. You know, I've wondered why the psalmist repeated himself when he said in verse 6, My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. It seems like needless repetition, doesn't it? The same exact words. But I discovered that it's a poetic device to literally reproduce the effect of waiting. It's like saying, wait, wait, wait. It's a picture of sentinels standing guard on the city walls or soldiers guarding during the times of war, watching in the darkness of night for danger, waiting, waiting, waiting in hope for the coming dawn and the safety that daylight brings. In the same way, those who are in fellowship with God through Christ during the darkest times are able to wait, hopefully and expectantly, for the light and the safety of God's presence, whether in this life or in the next. The fourth step in the progression of the Christian life is sharing hope with others. Up to this point, the psalmist's focus was on himself, his sorrow for sin, his repentance, and his waiting for God. 
But in verse 7, his focus turns outward toward those around him. He shares his hope with others. He encourages others to put their hope in the unchanging character of God when he says, O Israel, hope in the Lord. In other words, listen, friends, God offers forgiveness, not just to me, but also to all of you. And he gives the reason why his friends should wait expectantly in verses 7 and 8. He says, For with the Lord there is loving kindness and abundant redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from every kind of sin. In other words, listen, friends, what God has done for me, he will do for you as well. There's no sin too great that he cannot redeem. As believers, do you see the pattern of the gospel repeated over and over in your lives? Do you recognize God's cleansing, sanctifying work, causing us in turn to despair of hope when we recognize our own sin? To find hope again in God's willing forgiveness. To persevere in hope in spite of sin and trials. And to share hope, the hope of the gospel with others. Because we are very much like Paul, who wrote about himself in Romans 7 and 8. He begins with his complaint. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. If I do what I don't want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but sin living in me that does it. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? But then he concludes with his thanksgiving to God. He says, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So let's apply what we've discovered in this passage. Let me ask you a question. Which of the four phases of the Christian life do you find you're in right now? Despairing of life? Despairing, rather, of hope, I should say. Despairing of hope, finding hope, persevering in hope, or sharing hope with others. First, perhaps right now you're despairing of hope because of sin in your life. And I want you to consider this question. What do you need in order to take the next step to find hope in repentance and forgiveness? You may be able to find the answer in your own heart. Or you may need to talk it over with a trusted friend. Second, perhaps you've recently found hope because you were able to confess your sin and receive forgiveness. Maybe for the first time. Or maybe because you have recently overcome a particular sin in your life. If so, you should give thanks to God for enabling you to do so. And you should trust in his power to sustain you through the days ahead. Third, perhaps you're currently learning to persevere in hope in spite of the many trials that have come into your life. If so, you may need to call a friend and share it with them. 
share what you're going through and ask them to keep you in prayer during this period of trials. And fourth, perhaps you've already learned how to persevere in trials and now you're sharing that hope with others. And if so, I encourage you to continue to share your hope as often as God provides the opportunity. However, be careful to do so humbly without boasting in your own strength to persevere, but giving God the glory for his enabling power. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for walking with us by your Spirit through every stage of our lives. As we go round and round with these four, thank you for the promise of the gospel. And in every stage, we depend on you and we wait for you to accomplish in us what pleases you, what builds up the body of Christ, and what gives you glory. O oh Lord, we wait for you more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. In Jesus' name, amen.